Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 101 of the WSAV Now Sports Podcast. Sports Director Andrew Goldstein here, returned from Indianapolis, no worse for the wear, after Georgia has won the national championship game over Alabama, 33-18, your final. Man, what an experience. What a time. That was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. I imagine for most Georgia sports fans, it's one of the coolest moments of their sports lives, if not just lives, period. I mean, to see the Bulldogs finally break a 41-year title drought and to do it against Alabama, a team that they had a seven-game losing streak against, with Stetson Bennett coming up with a whole bunch of clutch fourth-quarter plays to clinch it for the Dogs, man, that is uh, truly special. So let's kind of break down exactly how this happened. And I will uh, first preface this by saying that if I do uh, cough a little bit during this, I apologize. It is not COVID. I took a rapid test. I'm fine. Uh, I just have a little bit of a sore throat from talking nonstop in Indianapolis and uh, not getting a whole lot of sleep. Not complaining, that comes with the territory, would not trade the experience for the world. Just letting you know that if there are a few coughs uh, here and there, I apologize. All right, but enough about me. Let's get into the game. Man, first of all, how about the dog's defense? This is a unit that Bryce Young shredded for well north of 400 yards through the air in the SEC championship game. I believe the final total was 461 total yards. And they got after him. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I believe they sacked him four times. They never really let him get comfortable. He was only able to complete a couple of long passes in that first half. Uh, But Georgia was able to limit the damage from those. And speaking of which, uh, Jamison Williams. Wow, what a loss for Alabama. I hope he comes back better than ever. I hope the same for John Mechie, because those are two special kids in terms of what they can do in the football field. And uh, they were, and I still believe are, going to make an impact at the NFL level. Uh, But it's pretty much indisputable that Alabama's offense, already a little different, already a little bit of a lesser version of itself without John Mechie. Uh, very much so without Jameson Williams. Because Williams was getting open at will against the Dogs. Alabama was running a lot of three-step drops, a lot of timing routes, a lot of screen plays to basically isolate Williams in the open field because Georgia had been beaten badly downfield by Jameson Williams pretty much all night long in the SEC title game. So you saw mere speed, you saw... Keely Ringo, a lot of the other defensive backs assigned to Jameson Williams, give him generous cushion. They weren't going to get beaten over the top for a 70-yard touchdown again. They were going to live with the underneath stuff. Alabama knew it, and Bryce Young was taking what the defense gave him. I mean, it looked like Jameson Williams was open nearly every single play, and with him going out, suddenly Alabama didn't really have that top flight speed guy. They didn't have anyone that could truly stretch the field against Georgia. And look, I know that Alabama is loaded up and down their roster with four and five star talent. Okay, this is not a talent issue for the Crimson Tide, but there is a significant difference between the freshman, sophomore five star uh, and the guy that's going to go in the top 10 in the NFL draft. I mean, you're dealing with pretty much already a pro-level guy 
that now Georgia doesn't even have to consider anymore. There's a level of refinement. There's a level of route running, of spatial awareness that's just different with the top-end players that have made it all the way through the Alabama process than those who were at the start of it. So losing Jamison Williams, man, it was an incalculable loss for Alabama. If he stays in the game, if he doesn't get injured, man, I don't know if the Crimson Tide win this game, but I certainly think they have a much better chance of doing so. (coughs) So I just wanted to address that. And then on top of it, let's not forget, Alabama's been playing with pretty much nothing in the running back department all year. Brian Robinson was like their only healthy guy for a decent portion, certainly down that stretch. I can't remember a Crimson Tide team that had ended the year with as many skill position injuries as this one had. So I think that is not a total caveat to Georgia's victory, but something that should at least be mentioned. Uh, If Alabama had won with this team against this defense for Georgia, I think it would have been Saban's most impressive title of the seven that he would have won at Alabama. But that's not to take anything away from Georgia's defense. They were getting absolutely no pressure whatsoever on Bryce Young for much of the SEC championship game. And this time, they were right up in his grill. Every time that he took more than a three-step drop, Nolan Smith was on him. Jordan Davis was on him. Uh, N'Kobe Dean was flying sideline to sideline. Actually, Nolan Smith, how about this for full circle? The Savannah native making the last sack of Georgia's season after getting the first sack of it against Clemson way back in early September. I mean, what else can you say for a guy that has contributed so much to this defense? Uh, Him and the rest of the front seven did a terrific job at keeping Bryce Young in the pocket. Because as he proved in that SEC championship game, you can't just get pressure on him. It's got to be disciplined pressure. You can't leave any escape hatch open. You can't break contain to pressure him. You have to account for the fact that if he sees even a little bit of daylight, he's going to take off and run. Georgia did not allow him to do that in this game. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Bulldogs were so successful on defense. The other uh, unit that I really want to give credit to is UGA's offensive line. Because they completely flipped the script on Alabama in the second half. That first half, Georgia was getting nothing on the ground. Not a single darn thing. I mean, they were, I believe, in the negative yardage on first down carries in the first half. Just no push whatsoever. And then in the second half, you know, you see James Cook busting a 60-plus yard run, setting up Zamir White's touchdown to give Georgia their first lead of the day, 13-9, to set up the Brock Bowers touchdown from Stetson Bennett. Zamir White pretty much ran for five, six yards a carry uh, down the field. I mean, I give so much credit to Warren McClendon, to Jamari Salyer, to Cedric Van Pran, uh, because they weren't really getting much done against the Alabama offensive line in the first half. And they just kept at it, kept pulling, kept attacking strong, uh, giving Zamir White places to run and stick his head in. And they wore the Crimson Tide down. And if you know anything about college football, you know that the strength of Alabama, regardless of if they're a defensive team, a throwing team, whatever, 
Alabama is a team that's built from the lines outward. If there was one thing you could count on Alabama to always be good at, it is offensive and defensive line play. So for Georgia to outmuscle them on both sides of the line, I mean, that wasn't just a win for Georgia. That was a program-defining moment. Because, look, people have beaten Alabama without necessarily outmuscling them, right? I mean, you think Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel. You think Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, maybe LSU with Joe Burrow. You're like, okay, these are teams with generational quarterbacks and offensive talent that can compensate for maybe having uh, a bunch of four stars where Alabama has five stars. That's not what happened with UGA. If you look up and down their roster, I don't think there is a single person, as talented as UGA is, I don't think there's a single person on it where you're like, oh, well, Georgia's never going to get a guy like that again. You know, they don't have uh, Joe Burrow, Johnny Manziel uh, type joker card to play. They just had dudes to compete with Alabama's dudes up and down the roster. And that really bodes well, not just uh, for Georgia's chances of winning this national championship, which obviously they did, but Georgia's chances of outcompeting Alabama for future national championships. I mean, SEC football, it's all about the offensive and defensive line play. When you looked at Alabama, Cincinnati, and Georgia, Michigan, you saw the disparity in how physical those teams were. I mean, David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson didn't even get close to Stetson Bennett. Alabama just ran like, what, eight, nine straight times on Cincinnati because they're like, look, I don't care if you got Ahmad Gardner who's going to go to the NFL. I don't care if you have Desmond Ritter. Your dudes are not as big and strong and refined as our dudes. And we're going to prove it to you by running nine times in a row just to show you that we can. Georgia is on Alabama's level now in terms of line play. And that is not an easy thing to do. That's not just something that comes along once in a recruiting class or once in a decade or whatever. You have to build a machine, a Nick Saban-style recruiting machine to generate those kinds of results. And right now, by my estimation, there are three programs in all of college football besides Alabama who have the kind of machine to produce the type of offensive and defensive line play that we saw from Georgia on Monday night. Uh, one is the Dogs, obviously. The second is Texas A&M, who just brought in the number one rated recruiting class in 2022. The third, Ohio State. That's it. Everybody else, you're going to have to rely on some kind of generational receiver or elite Heisman-level quarterback to compete with Alabama. Man, what Georgia did up front was so, so impressive. And then I have to spare some words for Stetson Bennett, the pride of Pierce County. I think everybody who spent all season long crapping on him and saying he wasn't a starting quarterback, JT Daniels should be the guy, what's this walk-on doing here? Apologies, mea culpas, right now, I want to hear him. Because what Stetson did in the fourth quarter, I mean, that deep ball to Adonai Mitchell could not have been placed any more perfectly. And if you've been watching Georgia football all year, you know that he's been doing things like that all year. When people are saying, well, we want JT because he can make throws that Stetson can't make. 
oh, you mean like that 40-yarder on a complete dime in the national championship game? Would you be talking about those kinds of plays? Uh, how about the 57-yarder to Jermaine Burton in the Orange Bowl that had Roman Wilson from Michigan completely turned around? Would you be talking about those kind of plays? Because last I checked, those are about the hardest throws that you're going to make on a football field, and Stetson Bennett did them. He did them very well, and he did them repeatedly over the course of the year. Okay? Was Stetson like some generational quarterback talent? Was he Bryce Young? No, but very few quarterbacks in the league are. But was he good enough to win a title? He, yes, absolutely. He always was, and he proved it on Monday night. And I don't even think the good enough to win a title caveat uh, does him his due. I think he's just good. He is truly one of the most efficient quarterbacks out there. You know, end of story. He deserves every last bit of adulation that he's gotten. He's going to be a Georgia legend forever. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to come back for another year. He can uh, if he wants to. I've heard that he may test the draft process. His mind really isn't made up on that, and I think he said as much in the press conference after the game. But whether he decides to come back for another year or test the draft process, he'll be a Georgia legend forever. If he comes back for another year, well, now we're going to get into all the new quarterback questions with uh, Gunnar Stockton coming in, or does Georgia want to bring in someone in the portal, and does Brock Vandegrift leave? Whatever. Those are questions for later. Stetson Bennett delivered Georgia a championship after hundreds or thousands of people said he couldn't. And that is something that is deeply worth celebrating. So final thoughts on the national championship game. Uh, awesome atmosphere, awesome event to go to. Indianapolis, a uh, very nice city, walkable downtown, very friendly people. I spent two and a half years in the Midwest living in Wisconsin. Uh, hospitable. You talk about Southern hospitality. The Midwest has its own form of hospitality, and that was on full display in Indianapolis. And God bless them for dealing with raucous dogs fans, barking at the luggage carousel at the airport, uh, doing who's that coming down the track at St. Elmo's. Like, dogs fans, even for college football fans, are rowdy. And Indianapolis was a very good sport for putting up with all of them. Uh, also, kind of cool thing in their downtown, which I haven't necessarily seen in other cold-weather cities, but I think it should exist in more of them. They have, like, this network of sky bridges enclosed walkways between a lot of the important downtown buildings so there's a tunnel between lucas oil stadium and the hotel we were staying in there's a sky bridge from our hotel to various other hotels to museums to one or two malls and this is a complex like a network that goes on for more than half a mile it might cover a couple miles honestly if you just take into account the full circuit i think that's a great idea because it got down to the single digits a couple nights there. And we saw some people who came in from Georgia and Alabama in hoodies, which, oof, yikes, yikes. That is not situational awareness right there, my friend. Uh, those sky bridges, very useful throughout the course of the weekend. So shout out to Indianapolis. Shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, what a season, what a team, and what a night. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be there 
at their parade on Saturday in Athens. It's going to be at noon. I have a different engagement Saturday at noon at Memorial Stadium for the Blitz Border Bowl. Oh, ho, ho, you thought we were done talking about it. No, I don't even know what that sound effect was. Sorry, I'm a little delirious. I've had like less than six hours of sleep going on four, five nights out. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Just know that if you hear strange noises coming from me, I'm not fully in control of my brain right now. But yes, Blitz Border Bowl, Saturday at noon, best seniors in the Coastal Empire versus the best seniors in the Low Country. We've had both teams practicing now for a couple days now. Team Low Country started on Monday. Team Coastal Empire started on Saturday, this past Saturday. And it is a real joy to see a bunch of seniors who truly earned it get one last chance to put on the pads. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Football, it's not like all the other sports. When you are done with your high school career, most often, that's it. A lot of these kids are going to play in college, and that's great, uh, in which case they get a four-year extension on that. But still, if you are a basketball player, you can play pickup basketball at the Y until you are in an old age. Baseball, you got a million beer league baseball and softball uh, type ventures out there. If you're a track athlete, heck, you can run forever pretty much. But football, once you take off the pads for that last time in your teens, your 20s, that is it for life. And we are hoping to give a bunch of kids one last memory, couple last memories, uh, not just playing in front of a crowd with the lights on, but also in front of their families with their friends. I mean, you got a lot of kids here that are friends with kids on other teams that train together, that do seven-on-seven leagues, that work out, that were maybe on the same youth football team, that played on opposite sidelines for their entire high school career. So not only do they get to put on the pads one last time, they get to do it with, in many cases, guys they've always wanted to be teammates with but maybe never got the chance to. And if you go on Twitter... And you see Savannah guys uh, calling people out from other schools, retweeting their workout tapes, their offer letters, whatever. You know that off the field, it's nothing but love between 912 area football players. On the field, I mean, you're trying to dominate the other guy, no doubt about it. But off it, they're all pulling for each other. And to see guys from the Coastal Empire, guys from the Low Country get to play on the same team when they've wanted to for years, I mean, that's special. Nothing beats it. Absolutely nothing. So we are so glad that we can bring a bunch of kids together for the Border Bowl. I'm glad to be on the play-by-play mic one last time until next football season. I'm going to be with my color commentating compadre, Andrew Davis. So Dream Team getting back together. We got Chase Justice on the sidelines. He's going to be our sideline reporter, kind of pulling players aside for interviews, dropping some interesting tidbits throughout the game. Very excited to welcome him back to the broadcast. It's just going to be so much fun. And what could be better than not just doing this all-star game, but doing it on behalf of Ronald McDonald House Charities. All of the proceeds from this game, ticket sales, concessions, everything, will go to benefit at-risk youth right here in Southeast Georgia. Uh, It really imbues this game with a sense of purpose. We don't ask players to pay to be involved in it. That's something a lot of all-star games do. We do not. 
and uh, tickets are affordable. They're $10, so anybody can come on in and see their friends, family, uh, their classmates play for one final time in their high school careers. It's a really special thing to be involved with. I cannot wait, sincerely. So on that note, I want to toss it over to our interview for the week. We got Kyle Hockman, the head coach of the New Hampstead Phoenix, also the head coach of Team Coastal Empire. And he's going to dish on where his team is at right now, his thoughts on these All-Star games, uh, thoughts on some of the players that he might have gotten to coach that he doesn't get to see a lot during the year. I found this conversation fascinating. I think you will too. Uh, and yeah, that's it for me, guys. Just watch the Border Bowl either in person at Memorial Stadium Saturday at noon or on WSAV at noon. Once again, that's the NBC channel, not the CW. We're on big channel this week. Big game, big channel. That's how it works. Okay, I'm going to stop blabbing. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Here's Kyle Hockman. Okay, we're here with Kyle Hockman, the head coach team Coastal Empire for the Blitz Border Bowl. Now, Kyle, you're a little ways into your practices now. You've had a chance to review some of your guys. Before I get into anything too specific, just general impressions on where the team is right now. Oh, uh, that's awesome. These guys are great. We, you know, I've done a lot of these these all-star games, and it, and it seems like it works out like this most of the time. But the, um, the seniors, they're smart. They love football. They've been coached a lot uh, by some good coaches. And they come together pretty quickly and learn uh, like crazy. Uh, so it's, it's just a, it's a joy to coach them. You don't have that freshman that's a little immature and you're trying to get him ready and things like that. You have a bunch of mature kids who can learn and listen and, and want to be there and want to show their talents. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's been really good and, and really excited about it. Yeah, you've got a lot of Savannah kids that even though they may not play on the same team, they were on the same seven-on-seven team. They probably trained together in the offseason. I noticed they pull for each other on Twitter a lot. Is there like a kind of joy that they feel finally being on the same team? Oh, for sure. Uh, they, they, they're they dapping each other up and high-fiving and encouraging each other. And uh, it's it's been it's it's been really good so far. And then we obviously are working some offense versus defense, so there's still some some great competition uh, amongst guys who know each other and amongst uh, teammates that might be playing against each other uh, that they don't usually get a chance to do as well. So it's uh, it's definitely a, um, a Savannah or a and again it's not just Savannah, but there's some surrounding sorry there's some surrounding. Uh, uh, areas that, that the guys know each other and, and and then also getting to know some guys that you may have played against or heard about or seen in the in the news you know and now you get to know them and uh, realize they're pretty good guys and things like that yeah and then to kind of stretch it to the rest of the roster you mentioned it's not just savannah you know we got a lot of chatham county kids a lot of folks from the area then we got like a few from statesboro a few from mcintosh county academy guys that probably never experienced a lot of these other kids that all know each other. How are they kind of gelling into the team? Yeah, they're coming in and, and they're good football players. So it's, uh, you know, and when, when a, one of the local kids or which there's, you know, majority of, they see a kid that's a good football player. Uh, they, they, they enjoy and want those guys on their team. So, yeah, it, um, you know, when, when, when we first kind of got together and asked me to do this and gave me a list of the, of the schools that we can pull from, you know, we hit every, every one of those coaches up trying to, trying to encourage, and we didn't practice as much during the week 
um, as you know, last last time I did it, maybe two years ago, we, you know, we practiced um, all during the week, and those guys just had trouble getting there from an hour and a half away. So more on that Saturday, and then we only practiced once, which was last night, and then we're going to practice again tomorrow night on a Friday night. So we seem to have a little more luck getting a guy from Swainsboro to come down and and Statesboro, like you mentioned, uh, and uh, so it's um, it's been good that way, and still would want to continue to encourage that over the years as we go. Yeah, it's always tough when you have only a week to prepare getting some kind of playbook together. I know you really can't do anything too complicated on that sort of time frame. What is it like basically condensing what you do in training camp down to a couple practices? Yeah, it's 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 a challenge for sure, but it's also helps because we the rules would limit limit some of the things that that the defense can do so the offense doesn't have to prepare certain things and limit some things the offense can do so the defense doesn't have to prepare. So that helps. And obviously, like I mentioned earlier, having having really, really smart players that have been playing for quite a long time and have been coached well uh, from their schools, uh, they learn really fast. So it's uh, it's um, it's it's really not as as challenging as you want, as you might think because of those those factors right there. And, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's pretty neat. And, and Coach Stroud, uh, Calvary head coach, is the offensive coordinator. And then Coach Warren, uh, the head coach at McIntosh County Academy, is the defensive coordinator. And they've spent some time with their staffs. And uh, we spent a lot of time this past weekend together preparing and, uh, and, and prior to that on Zoom. But um, it's, uh, it's been good. They've done a great job of, of uh, implementing, you know, a small system uh, pretty quick. A lot of players know that this is their last chance to get something on tape for college. How much of a motivating factor is that for these guys? I mean, is that something you've heard a lot of talk about? No question. No question. And, and I'm uh, kind of heartbroken for some of these kids because this day and age, it's just really difficult for seniors uh, in the last two seasons um, because of the, the extra year that the college guys have been given of eligibility in the COVID and then, and then the uh, transfer portal. Um, it's just uh, really tightened the scholarship opportunities out there for, for, for high school kids. So um, they definitely are, are aware of all of those things and they are practicing hard. We had a couple uh, college coaches come out to practice and, and uh, I know a few more will be there um, on Friday. Uh, so that's a, that's a big part of it. And then we're also going to video our, we got a student video coordinator here to tell um, a good player and uh, I mean, a good guy and he's going to do it for free, going to video the game and, and put it on huddle and we'll share it with all the coaches and uh, it'll be available on the huddle recruit for the, the, the college coaches who have that uh, access to, uh, to huddle recruit. Yeah. When you said that a few college coaches showed up, are you at Liberty to say which college coaches and what they were looking at? Um, no, the rules limit us a little bit. We're, sure. we're not allowed to publicize some of those kinds of things. Uh, when they come to our school. So I'm not a hundred percent sure about all-star games. So I don't, I don't want to. Nope. Totally understand. Totally understand. Um, Now that you've gotten a chance to kind of review your roster, see all the guys in action. I imagine that everybody has contributed in their own way, but what are some guys who have sort of popped to you? Have there been any that, you know, sort of surprised you? And if so, how did they do it? 
I don't know about surprise because we, you know, watch, we kind of gathered, we had 75 guys that were nominated by the coaches all around the area. And then we kind of let each, each coach who was a position coach, let's say coach Prentip at islands is the wide receiver coach. So he, he went and looked at the, their huddle tapes and, and kind of picked, picked his guys and who he wanted. So each coach got a chance to do that. But um, there's, there's definitely guys that stand out and a few of you know, the, the, the big guy from Jenkins, uh, Larry Johnson, is is a really, really, really nice human being, but uh, um, big boy that can move and, and is is dominating uh, on the offensive line. And, um, and and Jared Linton, our offensive lineman, is doing a really good job, too. And there's there's a lot of other linemen that are doing well, too. Um, the um, uh, defensively, a couple defensive ends from out of out of the area. Uh, Macintosh Academy Proctor, um, Quan Proctor has really showed uh, a lot of uh, speed and, and edge pass rush ability. Um, the um, let's see, Gilbert from is it Gilbert. Hold on, I got this roster right oh, from from Statesboro. No, Spate. Uh, Sp- oh, uh, Spate. Spate. Yeah, linebacker yeah. Uh, Statesboro. Yeah, uh, has done well. Linebacker from Statesboro. Um, the um, uh, again, I'm looking down here at the academy or at the uh, the Hutch uh, Futch from uh, Savannah Christian wide receivers look great. Uh, Trey Brown from Jenkins wide receivers look great. Um, the uh, running backs are a very talented group, uh, all three of them. Um, Edwards from South Effingham and um, yeah, Mikel Mar- Allen in there. Yep, Allen from from uh, South Effingham, uh, if I'm right, and um, Marquise Johnson from Liberty. Um, yeah, he had like 240 rushing yards in his first round playoff game. Yeah, he can he can fly now. He can really fast, and he's a hard headed kid who will slam it in there too for a little guy. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, you've also got some of your players on this team. You got Caden Sonabend going up there. You know, over in the secondary, you got Tyler Cooper, a couple of others. What does it mean to you to be able to share this moment with your seniors after seeing oh, how yeah. they progress throughout their careers? Uh, and we have a really good group of seniors this year. And these guys, we have six of them. Caden Sonnabin is doing a great job at tight end. And, um, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, he's, he's settled on, on a pretty good scholarship that he's going to sign here in a couple of weeks. Um, but um, he uh, he's doing great. Uh, Cooper is doing well starting at corner. Um, and then Rodney Wade, middle linebacker, um, is one of those guys, uh, Coach Warren, um, the coordinator, is like, man, he is smart. He can make every call, and he picked it up really fast. Um, and it did that for us for several years. Um, Cameron Bing doing a nice job at center and guard. Um, so, uh, and then Christian uh, Johnson Hall at defensive line. Um, so so we, got, we got six of them in the game. And and again, I, I maybe maybe the, the head coaches that are, are my assistants, um, they pick pick my guys that I nominated. They're nice enough to to help me out that way. But but anyhow, it's uh it's really cool. After practice yesterday, we like nine fifteen, we're walking off the field together, and and just to, to be on the field with them uh, one more time. And, and then Saturday will be a lot of fun. Yeah, you mentioned that selection process. You had a ton of kids to choose from probably quite a few that you would have wanted that couldn't play for whatever reason. Uh, What was that process like? Because you had like well north of a hundred players to sort through at the very first stage of this. Yes. And we tried to get as many uh, that, 
um, you know, that didn't have conflicts, you know, and there's, there's quite a few that are, that are still on our, our roster now that are, that are, that are uh, playing winter sports. But I know we, we, we tried to say, Hey, if you think you're going to, you know, and I know our, our basketball team has a region game on Saturday, so they didn't want to, you know, so any of the basketball players tore on a bias or receiver that could, definitely could have played in the game. Um, and, you know, we tried to limit that as much as we could. So the kids that were really available could play and, and uh, we could practice better. Um, but uh, so it was, it was definitely difficult. And there were a handful of kids, you know, that kind of reached out afterwards that didn't, that didn't uh, make the first round of the, uh, you know, uh, selection. And you're like, coach, I'll play. I want to play. I'm fired up. You know, I'm like, well, we got to kind of kind of put you on the waiting list in case someone gets hurt, which we've had five or six guys, a couple COVID situations and five or six guys. Uh, um, Langston at, at, at Islands, uh, had thumb surgery. And, uh, you know, so we've we've had to replace a few and guys have jumped in real fast and and learned. And it's just been a it's been a uh, it's been a challenge in some ways. But uh, getting a hold of these guys sometimes, you know, they're they're you know, you got to get this physical in all that stuff that we, we all deal with as high school coaches anyway we know how that is but but it's been uh really good and and again my my the staff has been really uh supportive uh coach Lattimore that was at Groves and and like I said coach Prentip already at Islands um coach Bonner at Johnson's doing a great job helping um and um uh coach Henry uh head coach at, at St. Andrews is coaching the offensive line coach Moore at uh, Savannah High is coaching the defensive line. And they've been a big help of getting paperwork in, getting organized, having a lot of energy um, and practice and things like that. So it's been it's been really good. Sure. My last question for you, you mentioned that some of the guys are really fired up to play in this game. Even some folks that weren't selected let you know that these players have just been through a physically demanding couple of months. You know, they're probably all nursing some kind of injury. It's just a question of whether or not it's severe enough to keep them from playing. And on top of that, you know, some of them may not have had such great seasons record-wise. What keeps them saying through all of that, I still want to come back and put on the pads? Like what gets people excited for these all-star games? Well, and there's some obviously different motivations in general, but the game of football, when you're, when you're um, part of a group that, that you're all working for the same thing. And it's obviously, there's other things in, in life um, where that's the case. But the physicality of it and the demanding on your body that you already mentioned about the, the where you're, and you're in it together with a bunch of other guys and you're all working to the same goal and, and, and it's hard and, and you have success or, or even not but you're in it together. And, and it's, it's, if you get the chance to do it, you want to keep doing it. And most, most players um, that are any success, have success at all on at any level, whatever level it is, they're going to keep playing until someone says you can't play anymore. Uh, just because of the, the camaraderie, the effort that it takes walking off a field, you know, with your buddies, um, or with your competitors that now your teammates with is, is, is a feeling that doesn't come around and you don't get that feeling from very, very many things in life. So um, most anybody health, if they're healthy, they want to continue to play as long as they can. All right. Well, that is all I had for you, coach. Anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? 
Uh, I just I want to thank you guys for 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 putting this on and and helping organize and then the commercials and seeing out you know out uh, at dinner last night and saw the uh, saw an ad on, on the TV and the in the in the in the restaurant and things along those lines. So I just I really appreciate you and, and your 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 uh, group and all the effort that's going into it and uh, to promote Savannah football. It is really an honor. Uh, and soon as soon as you told me that, that the players didn't have to pay because a lot of these all-star games players have to pay. And you told me that right away. I was all in from the get-go. So, I, again, I thank you and appreciate you. Absolutely. All about doing anything we can to get our guys to college, get our guys some extra exposure, or even just give them one last chance to put them on the, put on the pads because uh, they deserve it. I mean, you know better than anyone. They worked their butt off for four years. They deserve this at a bare minimum. So we're happy to do it. All right. Well, uh, that is it for the WSAV Now Sports Podcast for the week. See you all later.